Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. So we are starting a series this, uh, this week called Love Thy Neighbor. That's actually the uh, title of the series for all of the month of July. And so this was Pastor Don's direction, and he wanted us to all focus on that. But, you know, as I was getting prepared to, to preach this morning, you know, I, I, um, I started thinking about just the, the weight and the role that our senior pastors have to carry. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tremendous weight that uh, any senior pastor that has to get up in front of people and share God's word really carries. Um, you know, my dad, my, my parents are actually here um, this morning. He's a senior pastor as well. <laughs> Stan and Lisa Gonzalez over here. That's weird. Stan and Lisa, I don't call them mom, mom and dad. <laughs> um, they're, they're here, they're senior pastors. And, um, you know, I, I think about what Pastor Don and, and my dad, what they do, you know, they, they get up here every Sunday and they share something that God put in their, their heart, that God gave to them. And their desire is that whatever it is would reach you, right? And, and that's, that's uh, I think it's an awesome thing. And, you know, you can sit in, and me personally, like I've sat down and said, oh, and I've heard, I listened to a lot of different preachers and I've always thought, oh, well, maybe I could have said that differently or maybe that could have gone different. And we can always sit there and talk about, think about in hindsight, like how things can go. And, but the reality is that, you know, being up here and speaking to you guys is not about talent. Like, it's not about how well we speak. It's not about how, um, you know, uh, entertaining we might be. It's not even about how funny we might be, although I do pray you think I'm funny because I think I'm funny. So that would be really awkward if I'm the only one that thinks I'm funny. But I hope that's funny. You're supposed to laugh, but that's all right. Never mind. Uh, um, but but I, I think about probably, and, and then Pastor Don has never shared this, but I put myself in his shoes and I think, you know, probably the greatest fear that any pastor has is that something that they've done, something that has gone on in their life, maybe a mistake in their past, has, would keep them from sharing the love of Christ up here. Because I know that's what, that's what I struggle with when I get up here. I'm thinking, man, I, don't, I want God to move. I want God to, to change people. But I also know that I don't deserve to be up here. You know, and neither do, quite frankly, any of us, right? But I think about that, and I think about the plight of a senior pastor. And so keep your senior pastors in prayer. Cover them, especially as they're out and doing what they do. And, and even more so now on the back end of 2021 or 2020, right? There is a weight that they carried that none of us will ever understand, right? None of us will. They fought for us when we needed somebody to fight for us, right? So keep them in your prayers. But this morning, um, you know, in, in the the spirit, if you will, of love thy neighbor. I want to talk to you about what God has been dealing with me. Oh, before I get to that, I'm sorry, I forgot this. Um, so normally we have a big missions meal that we do on, on the first Sunday, so that way you can go and buy a missions meal. But the people that usually cook that, well, they're in ministry in Mexico. So, so we don't have a big missions meal. We have some tacos you can still buy and definitely want you to, but we thought we'd do what we could. And so there is a missions t-shirt that goes on sale today for a limited time. And this t-shirt is designed by our very own Ari Miller. So Pastor Dave and Pastor Lala's daughter. So stop by Tree Merch and grab yourself one. It says Mexico 2021 on the front. And you're probably wondering, what does it say? And it's in Spanish, and my wife told me, don't read it. So what do I do? I'm going to read it, <laughs> because my Spanish isn't that great. It says, 
conectando a las personas con la vida, el amor y el poder de Jesucristo. Amen. You're like, what does that mean? Translation, connecting all people to the life, love, and power of Jesus Christ. So that is our mission. If I could throw this down to you. Awesome. All right, so let's open our Bibles and let's turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Mark chapter 8, You know, um, I, I have a, um, I don't know, a, a leaning. I, I like to, to dig into scripture that just confuses me. You know, I sometimes read something and I'm like, man, this, I just, it, it bothers me or it confuses me or it seems at times maybe contradictory. Like those are the things that really grab me. And about two months ago, maybe a little bit more, this, this portion of scripture really, really grabbed me. And so let's read it and then I'll kind of work through why I felt that way. But Mark chapter eight, verse 22, and it says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Sorry. Um, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His, eyes, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. You know, the, this portion of scripture, it, 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 it caught me, it caught my attention. And it's actually, if I'm very honest, it's always been something that I've read and somewhat struggled with. You know, I, I, I see this, this portion of scripture and I see this man who's a blind man and uh, he comes before Jesus and Jesus touches him or spits on him. And, you know, that's, that's kind of weird already. <laughs> like, he, he spit on him, you know, and so uh, just... You know, asterisk, altar ministry workers, please don't spit on anybody. <laughs> You're not Jesus, so please don't. Um, but, but he spits on him, right? And then he touches him. And then Jesus asks him this question, do you, what do you see? And he says, I see men walking as trees, right? And then Jesus touches him again. And then uh, at that point, it says his sight is restored. And, and this, this portion of scripture bothers me or has bothered me because I, I kind of went through and I was like, why did Jesus miss? Like, did, did Jesus make a mistake, right? And, and theologically, I, I, I'm not seriously considering that Jesus missed, but this is the way my mind thinks. Like, did Jesus miss up? Like, why did he need to do that? And, you know, I, I think we sometimes view all of this, um, all of the scripture, we view it through, through our own lens of our experience, right? And so you have to kind of start really with the, this blind man, his, his experience to understand the context of everything that's going on. And so I, I started to kind of wrestle with this scripture and I say wrestle, like reread it and then study it and then look at other things and going, okay, so what does this mean? And, and so I'm wrestling with this scripture and, and I started to look at what it meant to be a blind man during the time of Jesus, right? What did, what did it actually mean? Like, what did this blind man go through? You know, and, and so I, I looked up um, the, of course, Google's my best friend, right? So I looked, I Googled <laughs> blind man during Jesus' time, right? And what you'll find is that um, there really is not a lot of 
actual historical documents that relate to the, a blind person's experience. But there are a lot of literary documents and there are a lot of religious documents that reference people that are blind during this time. And in, in all of those uh, references, the majority of references, blind people fall into two categories. They fall into either somebody who is a slave or somebody who is a beggar. And, and so I, I think about this man and I think about what his daily life must have been like, right? I, I, I'm assuming, and I, and I don't know this to be true, so I'm gonna take some liberties, but I'm assuming this man is probably a beggar, right? This man is probably begging for other people to give him um, resources, whether it's food or what would be considered money during that time or something. And, and so I think about how he would wake up every morning Right? He'd wake up, and, and in, in this time frame, there, there wasn't like organizations that rallied around those that needed support or help. There weren't like government systems that, that did that. There weren't, there weren't all these other things that could possibly have helped this man. So by and large, this person, unless he had a, a relationship with somebody, he was probably on his own. So he probably woke up in the morning and what most blind people would do um, is they would go to wherever there were people um, that were congregating, right? They would go to the nearest village. So I, I would assume that this man goes to the nearest village and being that he's blind, I'd probably guess that he goes to his usual spot. You know, I think about me, like I, if I were in his situation, I wouldn't be very interested in trying to find a new location because I can't see. I don't know where I'm going, right? So he wakes up in the morning and he goes and he goes to his normal spot. And then I think about what is his experience like? Like, you know, during this time, you don't have to go very far in scripture. In fact, if you go to John 9, 2, there's something that the disciples say. Mind you, these are Jesus' disciples. They, they tell Jesus, Rabbi, they're talking about a different blind man. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so I, I, can, I can ascertain from this portion of scripture that there is a thought process that existed in this time frame that essentially somebody's ailment, somebody's lack, somebody's position, right, whether it was blindness or it might have been being lame or it might have been being having a certain disease, that it was tied into this feeling that they deserved it, right? That there was sin in their life, whether it was them or their parents, but they, they deserved this. They, they deserved what they received. And so knowing that, that even the disciples mentioned this, right, when people feel like they deserve it, like that you deserve it, how do they treat you, right? They, they probably treated blind people very poorly, right? They probably called them names. They probably beat them. They probably stole from them. They probably abused of this man. And so I'm thinking about this man and this experience that he's walked through, and I'm thinking about how he's in this position where every day he's probably just wanting to be able to see and support himself and be on his own two feet, but he's got to go somewhere where he's treated so poorly. Like he's got to go somewhere where he knows that there's a lot of people, so he, he probably will get some money given to him, but he also knows that there's probably some things that he has to endure to get that money. 
right? And so I, I, I feel for this blind man and I feel for the way that he probably woke up every day. And granted, I, I, I realize I'm taking some liberties here, but mind you, there's, there's some context behind it, right? Understanding the moment in history, right? Because I, I think about this, the fact that this is the very moment that Jesus chose or God chose to insert himself as man, right? This very moment, not, not just where this man lives, but in this timeline. So I've got to believe that there was a lot of really horrible things happening. I've got to believe mankind was at a place where God had to intervene to change the tra- trajectory and the course of where man was going. And so knowing that, there was probably a lot of people that were treating people very poorly. And that's evidence throughout the scripture. Like even in in Jesus who brought nothing but love and light, he ended up crucified. So what do they do to the man that can't protect himself? What do they do to the man that, that seems less than, that seems like a secondary citizen? I can only imagine what they put him through. I can only imagine what his daily trials might look like. And, and then we, we get back into the scripture, right? And so the scripture goes and Jesus, they bring this man to Jesus and, and they tell him, beg him to touch him. And so he touches him and he spits on him, right? And, and I'm not gonna, like the whole spitting thing is kind of weird to me, right? But, but I, I wonder, like it probably wasn't the first time that he's been spit on. It, it, it probably wasn't, right? It probably felt like a repeat of what he may have already been through. But the man still stayed. He stuck around. And Jesus put his hands on his eyes. And then he said, well, what do you see? He said, I see men walking around as trees. And, And it's easy for me now in hindsight, it's easy for us in hindsight to kind of separate or rather condense that whole timeline and feel like it all happened in a moment. But as I was studying this out and I was reading through it and reading through it, I don't know how long it took, but I will tell you that I started to get really frustrated. I started to get really frustrated with this text. And the reason I got frustrated, if I can just be very, very honest with you, I got frustrated because in between those two scriptures there, I find myself so much. I find myself in a place where I know God has touched me and I know things are happening and I know that there is a mighty hand of God, but like, like, like I know he healed me, but I know, I know he, you know, restored my relationship, but I find myself in between those two scriptures too often where God has done something but not done everything and I cry out to him and go, Lord, when? Like, finish this. And, and I would venture to say, I, I bet you I'm not alone. I bet you I'm not alone. I bet you I'm not the only one that finds myself in a place where I know and there's no doubt that God is moving. But it just feels incomplete. It just feels like there's more, right? There's more. It just feels that way. And so I, I started to get real frustrated with that. And I'm sitting there and I'm asking God and literally I'm, I'm crying out to God. I'm like, why did you have to touch him twice? Like, why touch him twice, Lord? Why weren't you able to just if, spit on him? Fine, touch his eyes. And why wasn't it all cleared? Why wasn't it all removed? And I, I struggled with that. I struggled, I, 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 
I was literally crying out to the Lord like, why? And, and honest, if I'm really honest again, it's because I was crying out for myself. Like, why, Lord? Why? And you want to know what he told me? Okay, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> that was a setup. So thank you for walking right into that. Um, it, it, by the way, put a pin in it. Like, do you even know what that means? <laughs> like, my wife hates that I, I have that jargon. Like, uh, let's table this. She's like, this isn't a conference call. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, put a pin in that. No, we're not going to put a pin in it. <laughs> You know, I actually, it's funny, but I actually looked up like where put a pin in that came from. Like I, I looked up the, the etymology of that word and, and what I found, or that phrase, and what I found out was that it was actually based upon the fact that at this time or at the time that it came out, scientists um, would actually pin, and some of you have done this in your like grade school projects, they would pin, right, uh, um, insects or pin aspects of small um, animals that they had dissected so that they knew it could reveal something. They, they would pin it so that they could come back to it later, right? And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't know why I shared that, but I shared it. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> See, I told you I was funny. I told you. <laughs> At least the first couple of rows. Thank you, mom and dad, for laughing. <laughs> um, no, but, but I, I, I want to put a pin in that because... I will tell you that as, as, I stu- as I studied this out and as I was crying out to God, I, it's exactly what God did to me. He redirected me. He was like, you know, you're looking at the wrong thing. I was like, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been around this tree enough that God says, hey, look over here. I'm like, yes, sir, let me look over here. And so he, he took me back actually to the very first scripture in that phrase. And so I want to read that scripture again to you um, and kind of talk through this. It says, it's verse 22. It says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And so I read that and God, God just kept me on that scripture. And he's like, you know, what do you see? What do you see? And I'm like, they brought, you know, a blind man and begged him to touch him, Lord. You know, who did? Who did? I was like, I don't know, Lord. Some people. It says some people. It doesn't tell you who. He's like, okay, well, what do you think about that? You know, I started, I started ruminating. That's my new word this week, ruminating. I, I read it somewhere and I liked it, <laughs> ruminating. So there, thank you, you learned something. Um, but I, I started ruminating on this, this one scripture and that some people started sticking out to me. You know, I, the reason that it started sticking out was because in light of what I had just talked about with the plight of this blind man, here was a group of people that not only did they bring this man to Jesus, but it says that they begged Jesus to touch him. And I found it interesting that the very thing that I believe was this man's crutch, he would beg, right, for people to give. There was somebody that was willing to beg the master on this person's behalf. Somebody that was willing to stand in the gap. I don't know who. I don't know who they are. The scripture never names them. In fact, if you go throughout the gospels, some people or some men is used a total of six times in the scripture. Six times that it's called out where we never find out who it was. Like the men that lowered the man through the, the roof, those were some men. 
some men. And so we, there, are, there was a, a sect of people. I don't know if they were the same people. I don't know if it was different people. But there were these people that were some people that were taking people that needed the touch of Jesus to the feet of Jesus and then begging Jesus to touch them. And if there's not a better picture of the church, of our church, of what we should be standing, and I'm talking big C, if there is not a better picture of that, that is what we should be doing every single day. And that is what we are doing in this house. We are taking people to the very feet of Jesus and begging that he would touch them. You know, being some people is, is challenging because they don't, they don't get the credit. They don't get the credit. You know, after service, after service, I, I, I guess if I do good, um, you know, some of you will come up to me and go, oh, great job. Oh, you know, God spoke to me through you. Hopefully that's the case. I do hope that. <laughs> but, but how many of us are going to go to the, the parking lot and go, hey, thank you for helping me park my car, guy, you know, or going to go to the greeter and say, hey, thank you for, for just bring, being a bright smile to me. Or, or what about the person that took your kid and go, hey, thank you for letting me go in the service and hear the word of God. You know, oftentimes we, we, don't, we don't really consider those some people. We don't think about those some people. You know, there, there are a lot of some people in this room. You know, some of you are, actually are some people. You know, you're taking people to the feet of Jesus. You're, you're working on behalf of those around you. You are doing it, and not because you get any glory or there's anything in it for you, but you're doing it simply because you love people and you love Jesus. And you know, I think there's, there's a little bit of criteria here to be some people. You know, because I went back and I was thinking about this, this man, right? This, this person, and they, they took him to Jesus. And so it wasn't like Jesus stayed at a certain place. I mean, you, if you read through the text, he's going like from city to city and going from place to place and getting up and going, we're going here now. And so it, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, even the disciples couldn't predict where he was going, right? So there, there's a situation that if you want to be some people, it holds to reason that you probably have to have some type of relationship with God, right? They, these people who are some people had to knew that Jesus was coming, had to know where he was coming. They had to know what he would do and what he could do for this man. They had to have a relationship with God to be some people. And then the same thing holds true for this person because if I'm blind, right, I'm not just gonna let anybody lead me somewhere, especially out of my comfort zone. I, I, I'm being treated poorly. I'm being treated negative. I'm not just going to get up and go with anybody because I could do that and that could cost me my life to go out and to walk with somebody, to go out and to go. So not only do you have to have a relationship with God to be some people or love God, but you also have to have a relationship with people and love people because there had to be a level of trust there. There had to be something that, that created at least a sense of this person has good intention for me. They were going to take me somewhere that I did not already know to go. And not only that, but I couldn't get there on my own. I couldn't get to where I needed to get to on my own. 
And I think about that, that some people, and you, you have an opportunity to be some people, and, and I, I think there, there are so many things that you can sign up to serve on a Sunday. You can come in on, on Thursday. We're, we're gonna send 93 boxes of food to families that can't drive out to the food bank. Or next Saturday, we're gonna be out in so many organizations giving back and being those some people. You have an opportunity, but it doesn't just stop there. You can be some people in your personal life. You can be some people at home. You can be some people in your job. The criteria is that you love God and you love people, right? But you gotta be willing to do something because these people, they didn't, there was nothing in the text that tells me that they had any responsibility to lead this person to Jesus. There's nothing in the text that tells me that. And so they took it upon themselves right, to take responsibility for this, and they move forward. And so I, I think about this situation, these some people, and, and quite honestly, I, I admire these some people. I admire them. You know, and, and I know I started earlier, I told you about the plight of a senior pastor, you know, and, and yes, I want you to continue to pray for your senior pastor. But when I was reading through this and God was showing me, I was like, okay, I, I, being a pastor's heart, I can be some people, Lord. <laughs> like, and you know what the, the, the amazing thing about it is? Is that quite honestly, we can all be some people. Quite honestly, we can all do something to bring God glory. We can all work on behalf of the fellow man. We can all be some people. And, you know, and so I'm studying this out and I'm looking at this and, and I'm like, that's awesome, God, thank you. But you still didn't answer my question. <laughs> You know, so remember that pin? <laughs> Put that pin in it. I was like, so I, I'm, I'm going through all this and I'm like, okay, so great, Lord. Some people, woohoo, praise God. I want to be some people. You got me fired up, Lord. But, but why'd you have to touch them twice? <laughs> like, I, I still want to know that. Like, I, I still, that, that doesn't solve my, my conundrum that I started with, you know? And so I, I, I sat there and I was like, Lord, why? why? Like, I, I, get, I get to some people and, and that it's really great. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm working through it. And, and like I said, I'm crying out to God. And, and so God tells me, you know, son, maybe you're asking the wrong question. And I was like, okay, okay. I was like, but Lord, you know, you're like the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Like Jesus was the embodiment of you, all God, all man here on earth. There was nothing in him that was impure. You are the holy of holies. You are the morning star. You are perfect. Just your touch can change things. Just your touch can bring about healing. Lord, I don't understand. I just don't understand why, why two times? Why? And God, again, he's like, you're asking the wrong question, son. I said, okay, so what should I be asking? What should I be asking? And he said, you know, you just called me the king of kings. You just called me the Lord of lords. You just said that I was the bright and morning star. You just said that I was perfect. You just said that I was the alpha and the omega, that I was everything. You just said that. He said, and can I ask you, where in scripture where in the Gospels can you find that I touched somebody twice? And I said, I can't, Lord. I couldn't. Maybe it's there. I'm not going to deny that I missed it, but I couldn't find it. And then Jesus said something that just messed with me. He said, okay, 
So if you were during that time, knowing what you know now about who I am, knowing what I've given, knowing what I would have, was about to do, what would you give to have a second touch from me? I was like, Lord, I'd give everything. I would give everything. He said, does it matter that the healing didn't seem complete to you on the first touch? Does that matter? And I was like, no, not as much, Lord. I just want the second touch. I just want another touch. Like if you could touch me one more time, Lord, one more. And you look at the scripture. He even says, it says, Jesus, once more, once more. And so I think about this man and I think about this situation and, and God told me and, and really convicted me. And he said, son, you're worried about a result and I'm worried about the relationship. You want something done in your life and I just want to be in your life. And that wrecked me. That wrecked me. Because there are times, there are times when I sit there and I cry out to God, why? Why? There's, there's no doubt that he's moving. There's no doubt that he's doing things. I, I know that God is here. I know that God is real. But still, I cry out, why? And God is just saying, I'm here for you, son. I'm here. I never left. Don't worry about what I haven't done. Worry about who I am. Worry about my presence. And you know, this, this man, this blind man did something that I often struggle to do. You know, this blind man, I, I don't know what happened, but I, I imagine that there were probably a crowd of people. There were other people around him, right? And there, there were some people, and there, and there were probably people that were just watching, that just wanted to see what's happening, right? And, and I see, if you look at all the examples of Jesus touching people, it almost seems like it happens in an instant, and Jesus keeps on going, and, and I don't know the timing. Like, I have no idea how long it took. But this man, what he did that I sometimes fail to do is he simply stayed in his presence. He simply stayed in the presence of Jesus. He simply recognized that this wasn't about a second touch. This was about more of the first touch. There's more that God has for you. There's more that God wants for you. And you can walk away at the wrong time. You can walk away when you've had a partial healing. You can walk away when you've seen a partial redemption. You can walk away and you can cry out to God and say, why, Lord, why? And all he wants from you, all he wants, his heart, is just that you would stay in his presence, that you would just stay at his feet, that you would just stay where he can touch you. Stay where he can reach you. And I, like I said, too many times I've walked away with a partial healing. Too many times I've walked away with good enough. I don't want to walk away with good enough anymore. I don't want to walk away with almost. I don't want to walk away with just a piece and I hope that you, like me, want to walk away with all of our God, all of the love that he has for us, 
all of the love that he's brought down, his son sacrificed for you wholly and completely, not for part of you, not for some of you, not for just a portion of you, for all of you. He wants all of you. You know, and then I thought I was done. (laughs) And God was like, wait, hold on, come back. You're not done. You're not done. And I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know that I have any more left in me. And, uh, and he took me back to the last scripture, verse 26. And I want to read this again. It says, Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. You know, and I, I, I've read this probably hundreds of times and I've looked at it over and over and this time it meant something different. This time it meant something different because as I studied out this plight of the blind man, as I thought about where he had to go every day, every day he had to go to a place where people treated him and he was maybe made to feel less than, made to feel like he didn't deserve it, made to feel like he wasn't even worthy, right? And he, and he had to go there. He had to go there. You see, there, there's times in our life that, that even myself, and I'm sure you, we've gone places that we shouldn't have gone, but we went there because we didn't have Jesus. We didn't have what we needed. We were coping, right? We were going places that we knew we never should have entered, but we had no choice because it was the only way we felt we could get through. It was the only way we felt like we could make it. And Jesus, in all of his mercy, all of his glory, but most of all, all of his love. He reminds him in this last sentence. He tells him, go home, but don't go back. Go home, but don't go back. Don't go back to those thoughts. Don't go back to that sin. Don't go back to that lifestyle. Don't go back to that place where you're feel like you don't belong, where you're not welcome, where you're second then, where you're not worthy. Don't go back. You don't have to. He made him whole. He made him whole. But Jesus knew that he had to tell him not to go back. He had to tell him. He had to say it because you know what? Sometimes what we do, sometimes we get that wholeness from Jesus and then out of habit, because things get difficult or because it becomes tough we go back we find ourselves back in a place where we never should have been find ourselves back in a place where you weren't meant to be you weren't meant to be thanks again for joining us this week we pray that this message encouraged and inspired you If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.